Hello, 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 and welcome to yet another edition of the Fade the Public Podcast. My name is Ian Collins, and joining me, as always, is the Amy McGrath to my Mitch McConnell, Mr. Ryan Morrison. How are you doing? Uh, 200 du- judges, Ian. 200 judges in uh, in four, was it, what, two years? What was his timeline uh, on that? It's three years now. Yeah, so that's my response to that, Amy McGrath, jackass. Um, I'm doing great, Ian. Um, uh, patiently waiting on a friend to get COVID results back. Um, debating even going into work tomorrow. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's another day. Making some inroads on the golf course. Um, and Proud of you. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, it's pluses. You know, you, you take some, you, you win some, you lose some. I finally meet a guy that's a member at Quail Hollow today, which is where they play the PGA Championship here in Charlotte. And uh, secure the secure the potential invite uh, when he comes back from California, and uh, I catch a disease that could probably kill me. So <laughs> everything's just going your way. Yeah, that's it, man. It's um, it's a it's so truly what, a win win situation. What is your handicap? And I mean that in terms of golf, and not your clear mental. I was going to say, how much time do you have? Uh, <laughs> Uh, my handicap right now is a 5.1. That should go down a little bit after I posted a 79 today. Um, so, uh, so hoping to bring that down to maybe like a 4.9. So it's, it's decent. 5, 4.9, 5.1 puts me at like basically top 10% of all golfers in the, in the world. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. And top 10% of not, I guess top 10% of golfers that play regularly, not like just, you know, the average dickhead that goes out and you know drinks 18 miller lights and and uh and uh sits in the golf cart that would you know that's uh you know not what i do i guess i'm a I mean, i'm a i'm a spec i don't know I'm why a, you're taking so long to just describe me yeah um <laughs> as as my father would say i'm not that great of a golfer but i'm a scratch drinker Ooh, you could almost work that into. Never mind. I was going to say something really stupid. Um, I am drinking during this podcast, by the way. Have you poured a glass of whiskey yourself in? I have not. I'm hoping this will quell the uh, the cough I seem to have had for three months. Um, so yes, because everyone knows that alcohol is known for its curative properties. Oh, it cures everything. Okay. Honestly, you want another cure to a hangover? More booze. <laughs> Remember, rubbing alcohol cures outside pain. <laughs> Drinking alcohol cures, cures inside, inside pain. pain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Boy, so what's new, Ian? Oh, um, I guess we should give the listener. Uh, I think we are back down to one listener. So we'll give the listener um, the rundown for today's episode. Um, we will have, obviously, our, our uh, typical segment, Stumpster Fire of the Week, Boomer of the Week. Uh, we've added a new one. Um, in, uh, in the new segment this week will be called this week in nobody cares. Um, so that one sounds like fun. We've got some, some good little tidbits cooked up for you there. Uh, we've got a little baseball is back, uh, gonna do a little golf corner. Uh, obviously Ian's hockey corner is back this week. We will touch on the Kerry Martin situation at West Virginia, give you a, uh, a little rundown of, of, Tearing down statues and some different viewpoints on that, as well as some murder in the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in uh, Seattle. 
But I think uh, first off and most importantly, I think, uh, Ian, uh, COVID is back. Who's back of the week? Who's back of the uh, week? COVID, coronavirus. Um, so now that we have officially forgotten about the protests, um, it is time to move right back into the, con- the consistent narrative that grandma and grandpa are going to die uh, if they, if they uh, catch coronavirus. And if you go outside without a mask, uh, you will kill them in your blood. Their blood will be on your hands. Ian, um, any other? I can only hope so. Uh, so my, my favorite part about this is that there are reports that there are no ties between coronavirus and protests, in spite of the fact that, at least in New York, the people doing the contact tracing were explicitly told not to check to see, not to ask about whether or not they had gone to any demonstrations. Uh, so it's really sort of starting with the end in mind, which is always an important an important detail whenever you have a goal that you're looking for. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Number one, and number also, one, you know, number one, one number one, you know, part of, of achieving goals is, is setting them, right? So, you know, we set the goal and that's how we achieve it. Yes, and I also love that people seem to be very shocked that uh, when we're not all locked in our houses, uh, not allowed to leave or go outside, um, that once that ends and we can leave and be around other people, amazingly enough, uh, the virus spreads more and there are more cases, which is something that is very surprising to me. Who would have thought that? I am not an epidemiologist, but that seems... That seems rather basic to me. It seems it seems pretty logical that if you are going outside to restaurants and to bars and to breweries and to grocery stores and playing golf or playing tennis or basketball or whatever you do um, that makes your heart so happy, um, you are going to have more contact with other people, and therefore you have the chance to share a communicable disease. Um, this you know, I I do. I do very much enjoy watching uh, Chris Cuomo interview his brother, the governor of New York, which of course is not a violation of any code of ethics for journalists, um, on his uh, nightly television show, in which the governor of New York proceeds to take pot shots at Florida and say that he'll expect the... Floridians to quarantine if they ever come up here. Uh, move that when Florida pulled, w- attempted to make that decision, he roundly criticized. Uh, and it's interesting that he would t- take these pot shots, considering that if 30,000 Floridians died tomorrow from COVID-19 and none died from New York, they would still have a lower fatality rate than New York. So... Serious question. Do you think do you think Cuomo is aware of how like hypocritical he's been this entire uh, time? Yes. I think he doesn't care. And I think he knows that especially CNN will cover for him because they want to blame all of the bad things from coronavirus on Donald Trump. Right. And this is where I go back and this is the point I was I was gonna hope I was hoping we were gonna work to. I have found great uh, am- like amusement on Twitter, the, the website that we know is very nuanced and, and detailed and um, 
you know, it's a great place to, sh- to openly share your thoughts and to read other people's thoughts as well. Um, you could call it an educated website. Um, but my favorite thing I've read on there has been all of the tweets that, and I quote, this wouldn't be a, such a big issue if the Republicans hadn't politicized the damn virus. End quote. Um, I I actually had not seen that uh, that take. That is that is a nuclear hot take. I I love that take. I absolutely love it. Just just truly, you could almost call it gaslighting, um, in a way. <laughs> it is one hundred percent gaslighting. That is the definition of gaslighting. Where if you just speak it loud enough, it just you just you're just going to speak it into existence, right? Um, I just. The, the hypocrisy well, the is, and this the, the ham-fisted, like, the ham-fisted, like, reproach to have when you, when you type that out and then hit send thinking, this is completely unbiased, right? Like, if the Republicans, you, as you complain about someone politicize, politicizing something, you are calling them out based on their political affiliation, <laughs> which is politicizing it. Um, well, it's one of those things where usually the gaslighting takes like a few years before they feel comfortable doing it. Because then you're like, is that how that happened or am <coughs> I just remembering it wrong? We have seen it happen literally days later. In fact, my favorite example, and this was brought to my attention by uh, one of the podcast hosts I listen to on a weekly basis. He pointed out that at the Donald Trump rally in Tulsa... It happened literally overnight in which people were criticizing Donald Trump for holding a rally in Tulsa because it would be putting thousands of lives at risk uh, because they were talking about how he was expected to fill the arena. Right. He then does not proceed to fill the arena, and they're mocking him for not being able to fill the entire Tulsa arena. Now, the person I was listening to pointed out that it's not quite the own that you think it is, pointing out that he could only get thousands of people in Tulsa to risk their lives to come see just for the chance of seeing him speak. Right. That's not <laughs> quite the own that you think it is. Right. Right. Um, right. Dude, and, I, you know, the whole politicizing thing is where, is, is where I just, like, I get off the, I I just lose track of their, I I don't lose track. I lose sight of their argument because it just, and I think ham-fisted is the right term. It's just, it's just pure out of, you know, with with nothing else to say, you just say, well, if we hadn't, if the, if the other side didn't make this a political problem, then everything would be okay. So what you're saying is if we bow down and listen to all your political ideologies, most of which go back to locking everybody down until there's a vaccine, giving government handouts to every business and every citizen in the United States, abolishing the police, et cetera, et cetera, then it wouldn't be politicized. So what you're saying is if you had pure dictatorship over the United States, we wouldn't have any political problems in the United States. And you're correct because you would just put everyone to death or send them to the gulag um, if they disagreed with you. Um, This is a great tie you're going to say something. Go ahead. I have a transition here in a second. Oh, I also had a transition. I was going to transition into the police reform bill that Tim Scott provide, uh, proposed this week, 
what were you going to transition? I would to? like to talk about how insane this modern day McCarthyism is, and we can maybe save that for this week. And nobody cares if you want. Uh, sure. Okay, let's save it. Let's do it. Let's get into Tim Scott's. So coming up later on the podcast, uh, modern day McCarthyism. Uh, Ian, so what about? Uh, so I saw Tim's. I saw basically. I'll give the layout from my perspective because I'm the uneducated, uneducated citizen, and then I'll let you teach everybody what's going on. Um, I saw Tim Tim Scott, obviously the only African American Republican senator uh, in the Senate. It is worth noting, just because this is something that can be pointed out, he is one of seven uh, black senators of all time. Uh, and uh, no, nine. Sorry, nine black senators of all time. And there are only two black senators from the Democratic Party at the moment. Correct. So it's not like he is the token black guy, per se. Right? He, uh, no more so than from that, That's the my Democratic point. Right, Party. exactly. Yeah. So it's not like the Republicans have one guy and the Democrats have 17. Um, yeah. It's not nearly as lopsided as the House would be. Right. Um, so... Tim Scott proposes a police reform bill. I believe it had a lot to do with um, funding different types of training. I believe there were over 20 amendments in it. Um, Tim kind of championed the bill um, as someone who he's, he is from South Carolina, um, for those of you listening that don't know, and he um, is from Charleston. So, um, you know, someone who's been in the Senate during the Charleston massacre, I think Tim has a... Um, Tim has probably a better viewpoint of police reform and brutality than I think a lot of us average citizens do. And uh, Tim proposes this bill to uh, the Senate on, was it Tuesday? Yes. On Tuesday. He, well, he, well he, he didn't propose it to the Senate. He proposed that it be, there's like a lot of procedural votes that need to take place before it can even be debated. Uh, he proposed that it be moved out of uh, committee and into the Senate, which did happen, and so now it's just sort of in the queue in the Senate. And there was a vote that was held. They attempted to hold a debate on whether or not to hear the police reform bill next, essentially. And it was filibustered by the Democrats. To the point they and wouldn't even they wouldn't even budge on any amendments. I think they offered the Republicans offered twenty no, amendments. No, th- that's sort of the point is we haven't even gotten to the point where there's voting on amendments yet. Wow. Because they won't even let it get to the floor for debate. And it's very interesting to see when you have people like Chuck Schumer and more so Chuck Schumer because Nancy Pelosi's in the House and so she's more just a mouthpiece as is. But Chuck Schumer blocks this police reform bill after saying that it was essential that a a reasonable reform take place prior to the 4th of July uh, break. And the Republicans try to bring it to to the floor for debate. And what ends up happening is they won't even let it be debated upon. And there have been 20 amendments that have been... Uh, that have been offered up for debate. Uh, They have not been discussed. They have not been voted on. They have just been allowed as potential amendments to this bill. Uh, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats have denied that from happening. 
And in their criticism of it, they refuse to acknowledge that Tim Scott is the one that put this forward. They continuously attack Mitch McConnell and his unrealistic and uh, basic and completely partisan approach to this. And when asked, uh, when Nancy Pelosi was asked if Tim Scott was putting this forward with and like as a re as a reasonable person, I can't remember like a uh, a not good judgment like like he's actually trying to get change done. She completely ignored the question and said, this isn't about him, this is about Mitch McConnell. Clearly trying to avoid the fact that Tim Scott, the only black Republican senator, is the one that's championing this bill. Um, because that's bad for their optics. But also worth noting is that Nancy Pelosi uh, described the Republicans as try- with this bill as trying to get away with murder trying to get away with George Floyd's more murder, specifically. And that is a nuclear hot take. Yeah, that is, that's... I, this is, this is the, this is the, I think, the state of politics in America right now, and it, it's 100%. I'm not, I, I used to hate Tucker Carlson, and I would be the first person to tell you that I think he's a fucking idiot. But he has been probably the most... Prof- I, no, I don't like the word profound um, because I'm not going to put him on a pedestal. He's had some very interesting perspective on on a lot of what's going on in America. Typically, the, most most importantly, with the power struggle, I think we're we're watching right now um, on Capitol Hill and uh, and honestly politically across the country. And it, I, I grow more and more frustrated with the Democratic Party that there seems to be no point for compromise, right? It's, it's, it's constant, it's our way, or we're not listening to you. It's just, and, and then when they do get a chance to get their way, they lump things in like $30 million for the Kennedy Center that just don't fucking matter to the, to the issue at hand. Well, th- this is the thing, where that's sort of what it's like being the, I'm not going to say that the Republicans wouldn't do that whenever, if they were the minority in Congress because they clearly demonstrated that they would, but they, and it's, it's kind of disappointing because both, they were more about claiming that they would repeal Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, and had no actual plan to replace it or to do anything about it, and that's clearly them just sort of posturing, whereas the, the how, the Democrats right now are claiming that they want police reform and then when a police reform bill is put forward and they've been given the option to have 20 amendments they won't list they won't even hold a debate on any of it now i for one think am in agreement that the tim scott bill doesn't do enough but it's as he said it's not about like it's very clear that you don't actually care if your bet is that we won't take the 80% now uh, to get the 80% because we want to get 100% later because you don't want to risk that the other side gets credit as well for the 80% that goes forward. Right. And that's really what the concern is. is that the, and it's something that I actually read a very interesting piece in Politico uh, either today or yesterday 
And it was about the lack of voter enthusiasm, specifically in the black community. And it's something interesting because I think that while it's it was focused more on the black community, I think it really explained where the enthusiasm from Donald Trump came from. It's the fact that the I would say the majority of people in this country don't feel like the politicians are doing anything for them. Uh, like, it doesn't matter who they elect president, the same old thing is going to happen. And that's why the Republican Party was more than happy to elect Trump, because all the president does is talk, and if this meant that they would have someone fighting the media who's demonstrated a clear contempt for them, then they were fine with him being in there, because they knew they weren't getting anything to come, like, any assistance regardless. Right. Right. And that's that was that was the basis of Trump. Is he he spoke to, he you know, the term silent majority got gets tossed around a lot. But West Virginia is a classic example of a honestly a neglected a, a very large neglected demographic politically in the United States, and that is poor white people. Um, we talk about how um, the wealth gap is is growing. Right, we're we're losing the middle class and. You know, not all white people are moving to the upper class. There's a large majority of people in West Virginia and is a prime example of that where industry has left and you get a state that is that is overrun by drugs and and poverty. And you know, for a long time, West Virginia was a blue state. Um, and you may know, know more about the political history of West Virginia than I do, Ian, but I think it was – did it vote? It voted blue for Obama, did it not? No, no. Okay. It did not. Okay. There was... it, turned, it turned red in 2000, and it's the reason... If I'm not mistaken, if it had gone blue for Gore, then I think that Flor- the hanging chads in Florida might not have mattered. Because then Gore would have had enough uh, votes. But I think that the last time before that, that it had gone Republican was for Reagan. So, so there you go. There, West, there, West Virginia is a perfect example of a demographic, 1.8 million people, obviously not a lot of electorate votes, and I'm using this as a sample and not as a, as a, you know, a holistic viewpoint. But you have this demographic of people that have been largely ignored by Washington and by politicians for so long. Trump comes in, he says... We're bringing back coal. We're bringing back steel. We're bringing back jobs, and it spoke to especially a lot of people in Appalachia. I would, I would honestly argue that 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 is the reason why he won Pennsylvania, and that's the reason why he won Michigan, is because he spoke to oh, those. Yeah, well, he he also got the he didn't get the union leaders, but he got the union members to vote for, him. and that was the key, right? You know, usually union leaders are you know unions are 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 traditionally Republican or not Republican, I'm sorry, Democrat voting organizations, right? Because, you know, Democrats like to sit up there and preach that they're for the common man. They're, you know, the Dave Portnoy speech by the common man for the common man, blah, 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 blah. But, but they have, they have continued to completely ignore such a large demographic. And and now what I think you're seeing happen is they can, you know, the Democrats continue to push back on that demographic and say, those are the, re-, you know, Hillary Clinton's comment. And you could almost, you could almost 
argue that her basket of deplorables comment is the reason she lost the election. Because it put a lot of voters that you had in Pennsylvania and you had in, in Michigan that were on the fence, that didn't know who to vote for because they had traditionally voted Democrat due to unions, due to, um, due to you know, better labor laws and better wage laws and things of that nature, uh, that they heard her say that and say, well, she doesn't give a shit about me. And Trump was the first person to do that. And well, I mean, Bill Clinton literally went into West Virginia and told them we're shutting down these coal mines. Now, I think that West Virginia, West Virginia's obsession with the coal industry and that that's basically the only way to keep the state's economy going is a terrible idea just in a general on a general basis because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. But the fact that you're just going in and telling a bunch of voters to go fuck themselves, essentially, is uh, not going to go over well in states that are adjacent to it that have similar that have similar industry jobs. Right. You know, it is the Rust Belt. Now, I agree with you on coal. We could, I, would, I would love to do a, a one-off podcast about how West Virginia could, to, could better its economy um, because it's such a... I'm still so angry that they didn't take advantage of the possibility of legalizing weed first. Oh, my and goodness. And getting everyone to move in there and invest in it. Absolutely, which is, you know... Can you imagine if West Virginia had too much money for education, like how Colorado did when they were the first ones to legalize marijuana? Uh, <laughs> dude, I have seen some places in West Virginia, and you've driven by them, um, Ellenboro and, and uh, Pennsboro. What's that high school right there? Ritchie County High School. Could you imagine if Ritchie County High School had a brand new state of the art football stadium with a turf field and uh and a like brand new three story school? I mean, could you imagine? And all the Well Well, I mean Mingo County offers more than double the starting salary for teachers there and they still can't pe- get people to move there because it's so, it's so desolate. Yeah, there's nothing. Dude, Mingo County's in the middle of nowhere. And that's coal country, right? And there's nothing yep. else there. And that, you know, the, I think the, the, I guess is a one-off, and here's a preview for the, how West Virginia can improve its economic standing in the, in the United States. Um, logistics just kill West Virginia. Kill West Virginia. The, there are two major airports, um, and they are by no means major. North Central West Virginia Airport in, in Bridgeport's actually got the bigger runway of the two. Charleston really can't carry heavy air traffic in and out. So you're already limited there. And, and the worst, the thing that really kills West Virginia is the land, right? Um, there are lots of parts of West Virginia, especially um, as you come up through southern West Virginia, pretty much all the way to, I would argue, Bridgeport and, you know, essentially the entire eastern part of the state. You can't build a big factory over there, right? South Carolina bolstered its economic status, number one, because it sits on, uh, luckily, it sits on the Atlantic Ocean, which is, I don't know if you know what that is, Ian, but that's kind of a big geographic feature. Um, I, I think I've heard of it before. Uh, uh, but the other thing, too, is there's just so much empty, flat land in Charleston. They, that's, they basically gave the land to Volvo. And they did the same thing with BMW in, I think, 92 or 93 when BMW came in. 
is, and South Carolina did it right. Um, they basically said, okay, we're going to give you this land and we're going to give you a bunch of tax breaks because they knew that if they give that land away and they give these, you know, they give the auto manufacturer itself big, big tax breaks, it brings in hundreds of thousands of jobs. Greenville Spartanburg was literally revived. <clears throat> it used to be, Greenville used to be a shithole. You came down and visited. You saw how nice and vibrant it is. That's all mm-hmm. money due to BMW and Michelin moving into that area. Because, you know, you know, I, I think South Carolina, I love how this subject changed really fast. This is, I love, this is such an interesting subject. And you're, you're an economics guy, so maybe you can, you, you can have some viewpoints on this too. But South Carolina is the prime example of what West Virginia needs to follow to revive its economy. Because South Carolina was a agriculture-based economy, right? Um, if you look at South Carolina in the 90s, <clears throat> horrible school system. You had the, the I-95 corridor of shame, as they called it, with you know school kids going to school in the 90s with dirt floors. Um, all of the mills in northwestern, uh, you know, basically the upstate, had left and gone overseas because it was cheaper to, to uh, grow and process cotton overseas. And the economy was kind of in the shitter. And what South Carolina did was say, okay, we're going to take this land – which is extremely valuable, and we're going to give it away to these big auto manufacturers. We have interstate systems, we have flat land, and we're going to make it very uh, desirable. I think they improved the Greenville Spartanburg Airport. They built a brand new one with a huge runway. Um, I flew into there once. When? Uh, 2017? No. Yes, 2017. I think you told me this. Yeah, no, I went there for a uh, for a wedding. Yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> but the point being is that South Carolina basically just said, "Okay, we're going to take a bunch of this land and we're going to give it away to these business these these major auto manufacturers and make other companies come here." And sure enough, you know, South Carolina has one of the most vibrant manufacturing economies in the United States. Um, it is the largest manufacturing co- economy in the Southeast which is just outstanding. Um, we have two, South Carolina has, not we, I live in North Carolina now, but South Carolina has two major automobile manufacturers with Volvo and BMW. BMW is expanding their Spartanburg facility. Volvo is expanding their Charleston facility. And I think, I guess, coming full circle here, West Virginia can follow that same suit. Now, the logistical challenges are a little more, are, are a little different, but you have in West Virginia you have access to to many major markets those being Pittsburgh those being Washington and Columbus and Cincinnati and you could argue Indianapolis and Cleveland as well so and Philly and honestly you're 6 hours from New York so you're only 6 hours from a major port terminal and uh I can I'm just going to curtail this rant now. I could talk about this forever because I think it's really interesting. But anyway, um, West Virginia needs to learn from South Carolina. There you go. Yeah, it is also worth noting that West Virginia has one of the lowest uh, proportions of people with access to broadband internet as well, which is a major concern. I believe Shelley Moore Capito was addressing We talked about this before. Yes, we did. I thought so. Uh, but that's just that's still a major problem because you can't really have an internet business in the state if you don't have internet. So, right. yeah. 
but that is about the extent of it, so we can move on to a new topic. Okay, uh, yeah, we beat that one into the ground. Um, all right, what's next on the agenda here? Um, I guess we'll just continue with the politics. Ian, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, they're tearing down some t- statues. Yes, yes, they are. So this was and this was I, a. Let me address this now. This was a question we had three weeks ago, and we never got around to it. Um, it was questions about how we felt about tearing down Confederate statues. So we'll start there, and we'll uh, we'll we'll go from we'll go from there. Okay, Confederate statues. Get rid of those traitorous cunts. Yeah, I do not understand. Have never understood the defense of statues for Confederate generals that betrayed the Union. Treason. 100% treason. Literal treason. And they were erected in like the 30s, 40s, and 50s as a way to basically tell black people to go fuck themselves. It is mind-boggling that people are sitting there saying that they should be there. And the fact that they've stayed up this long is amazing to me. Now, I understand the Condoleezza Rice argument that like it can be used as a starting point for having these discussions about how this his, this country has a has a strange and like varied history but i don't think that's a good enough argument to keep them there i don't think Get rid of I, them replace them i think there are other ways to have that conversation 100% and if you can't broach that subject with your kids without saying a, a statue to the founder of the kkk you are a stupid individual yes 100% 100% tear down t- honestly Tear down the fucking Confederate statues. I don't care. Now, I will say it is a bad idea for mobs of people to do it. If for one, because they're probably going to damage the land there, generally. Two, you could really hurt some people, which I think happened when one of the statues fell on one of the one of the people's heads uh, in the last week. And caused severe, like he had to be hospitalized as a result of it. Oh boy! Yeah. See, let the leave. As as satisfying as it is to rip down uh, uh, a bronze piece of metal uh, that's in the center of your city, uh, let the professionals with heavy equipment do it. It's way easier. It's way easier to do it with a with a yeah. with an excavator. Now, on a on a follow up, and this is the important thing to remember: there is a big difference between memorializing someone who is best known for their traitorous actions, like Robert E. Lee or Stonewall Jackson, who were actually major figures in the Spanish-American War and were incredibly uh, vital in in the victory of the Spanish-American War. But that is not what they are best known for. That is not why they were memorialized. That is not what the statue stands for. There is a big difference between them and Thomas Jefferson, Ulysses S. Grant, and George Washington. Uh, And I believe there's one that's coming down tomorrow of Abraham Lincoln as well. Yes, of course. Oh, that's my personal favorite. The one that was funded entirely by donations from freed slaves in which Frederick Douglass spoke at the uh, dedication. So... um, that is a bit odd. Um, my, my, I just, I don't, this is where I, I go, to, I try to avoid the slippery slope argument. Um, 
because I think it sometimes is used unfairly. You know, well, if you do this, then, you know, if you if you take away if you take if you start paying college kids uh for their likeness now they're all going to be driving ferraris in 2 years you know i hate that argument because it's just it's so baseless but where do you draw the line as to what comes down i mean i think i'm right there with you confederate statues anything glorifying the confederacy needs to be torn down right um it just does on a quick side note, I have literally never understood why people in West Virginia specifically, but also in the North generally, will have a Confederate flag anywhere. Like, you are from a place that literally abandoned the Confederacy. I will play... To join the Union. I will play devil's advocate and say that those people are stupid enough not to know that it is a symbol of a treasonous war but use it as a way to signify that they are a rebel, per se. Uh, Not that that's correct. They are stupid. I'm not saying that's correct. I I want to put that on the record right now. I don't agree with that at all. But if if I were to guess as to why it is in West Virginia, it's saying I'm a rebel. I don't care about the United States or whatever it is. That's why the Gadsden flag exists. Um, But the... My personal, I, I, I need to avoid saying personal favorite because I say that shit all the time. It's take a drink every time I say it. But I, I find it very interesting. I have. Uh, I find it very interesting whenever the, whenever the tearing down and defacing of statues moves on to people like Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, and my favorite is Miguel Cervantes. Do you know who Miguel Cervantes is? Hell no, I don't know who Mel- Miguel Cervantes is. Uh, that would... I, let me make sure it's Miguel. But that would be the author of Don Quixote. It is uh, yeah. Miguel Cervantes. You know, I used, Miguel to, Cervantes. I, I used to think it was... I used to just call it Don Quixote, which is just classic dumbass Ryan move. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm just going to try to... <laughs> how much I hate you for saying that. Um, But he, as it so happens, was actually enslaved for five years. Ah, and they're tearing that statue down. No, no, no. They just defaced it. Okay. Although uh, it is worth noting that Ulysses S. Grant is, because he held a slave for two years, which was gifted to him, and then later freed that person... He is irredeemable in spite of the fact that without him, it could be argued the South would not have, the Confederacy would not have been defeated. And it is also worth noting that during his presidency, he destroyed the first iteration of the Ku Klux Klan that did not arise again for another 20 or 30 years. And also, it could be argued that he is the only president that actually took, made any effort to provide reconstruction in the South that attempted to provide rights to the freed slaves in the South. So what was the basis to tear it down again? He owned a slave for two years. Uh-huh. So, okay. I'm just not following that logic. I just don't, I don't. And this is where I go back to that slippery slope thing, right? 
So Well, that's the thing is, even when there is a slippery slope of, do we go after Washington and Jefferson once we finish with the Confederate statues, everyone said that that was ridiculous when Donald Trump suggested it three years ago. Now they're going after Grant and Lincoln. I don't think anyone would have even guessed that the slippery slope would land there. Uh, Grant, uh, the Grant, so the Grant one was the same idea that he, he owned a slave, right? Yes. And Lincoln obviously owned a slave, even though he emancipated the slaves. How is Jefferson kind of scooting by without really anyone, like, defacing the entire plantation of Monticello? I think that they probably have security at Monticello. I'm surprised. I can't believe. Did you see the the thing? Do you know who Jesse Kelly is? No, I don't. He is a conservative commentator. Uh, he has, like, a radio show. Uh, I think he might have a TV show, too. But he is a great follow on Twitter. Uh, really loves this make he's, he's a very funny guy uh, but he started a trend saying cancel he tried to, he started a cancel Yale thread over the weekend and also did it with Georgetown and Harvard and Rice but specifically Yale because uh, Yale, the namesake for Yale was a literal slave trader and so he was pointing out that you can't Anyone who has attended the school is clearly propagating the uh, is allowing the propagation of a slave trader to, into the society and should be punished and should be shamed in an appropriate manner in relation to this. <laughs> I think I I I you broke up there for a second, so I'm just gonna laugh and uh, great point, Ian. <laughs> And continue on so you don't have to repeat yourself. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, uh. But I was going to tie that in by saying that I can't believe that UVA hasn't been defaced either. Oh, they changed their well. logo. Did you notice that? They changed the cat, the handle. Yes. And I didn't, yes, they I did. Don't... No one would have, if they hadn't pointed it out, no one would have noticed. They they changed it and I was like, uh, what's the difference? Until until someone literally did like a red one of those red squares over uh-huh. emphasizing it, I had no idea what the difference was. Um, I believe it was because the handles are like representative of what slave drivers used. I do you know the details behind that? I think it was like a very common cavalry sword back in the uh, like for the Confederate Confederate generals, but I couldn't say for certain. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we'd like to take predictions on who's going to be next. Oh, uh, we already we didn't even talk about uh, Teddy Roosevelt. You want to you want to talk about that one? And this, or I'm sorry, President Roosevelt. And this isn't the President of Roosevelt that it literally. Uh, put entire an entire race of people in internment camps. Yeah, no, it's the other one. Uh, I I don't really care about this because it's more of it was a decision by the uh, a museum, the Natural History Museum, to not to like take it down. But I think it was more of I, I'm not really sure what he did specifically or why people are upset with him it's gone to the point where people are very clearly just tearing down statues because they want to destroy things i mean they've defaced multiple abolitionist statues uh a women's rights movement statue in wisconsin was torn down 
And the, I think one uh, protest or riot or whatever you want to call them uh, was actually quoted as saying, who was this guy after tearing down <laughs> the statues? <laughs> oh, and uh, another fun joke. Someone pointed I out. I can't stop laughing. They were tr- I just, I'm picturing some guy standing over the statue like, you know, Teddy on his horse. The statue laying on the ground, and he's like, "Wait a second, who was this guy?" <laughs> um, there, my, I did see someone suggest that they tear down Andrew Jackson uh, statue, and so someone said, "Well, normally I would suggest you try shooting it down, but based upon the history with Andrew Jackson, I don't think that would be very effective <laughs> either." What? When is um? Do you think this is finally the the time we see Jackson get replaced by Tubman on the twenty dollar bill? Have you seen that badass design with her like holding a a pistol in her left hand and like reaching back? Oh as man, part of the portrait? I was I literally before you even said gun. I was I was really hoping you were gonna say like Harriet Tubman riding a horse with an AK forty seven. No, I haven't. Let me look. I'm gonna look it up. Live reaction. Uh, Harriet Tubman, $20 bill. Harriet Tubman, $20 bill. By the way, I saw the Harriet movie that came out last year. It was good, not great. Harriet Tubman, $20 bill with a gun. (laughs) I didn't get... (laughs) Oh, that is fucking sick! I would love to replace... That is the coolest piece of currency I have... I have ever seen. That is awesome. With her hand 100%. out. 100%. Dude. Also, I think Andrew Jackson is one of our worst presidents. Yeah, so I know I you hate Andrew Jackson him. because he established a central bank. Did he not? No, he, that's actually the one good thing about him is that he was in opposition to this establishment. Oh, okay. I think we had this discussion last week, but I, I forget the details. Um, yeah, no, it's more about the whole trail of tears thing. Ah, uh, yeah, that was, that was. Uh, yeah, when told that the trail of tears was illegal. He told the Supreme Court, you've made your ruling, now try to enforce it. <laughs> and then proceeded to do the, the Trail of Tears anyway. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, that, it, I don't know how to respond to that. He's not wrong. It's like, it's like I'm trying who, to... Who would win in a fight, Andrew Jackson or Theodore Roosevelt? Ooh, that's a great one. I think Theodore Roosevelt. By a mile. I, I got, I don't know, man. The number of duels where Andrew Jackson just took the bullet and then aimed to shoot the other guy is wild. Teddy, Teddy was a tough son bitch, though. Oh, yeah. The, someone joked that the, the Natural History Museum is just a museum of all the animals that he killed. <laughs> Dude, we've had some pretty, it's... For for having duds of presidents like uh, like Jimmy Carter, we've had some fucking awesome presidents. If you think about it, I mean, like like the just the, the idea that Andrew Jackson was president and he was shot multiple times on purpose in a duel. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's. <laughs> At one point, someone tried to assassinate him while in office, had two flintlock pistols. Both of them misfired. So then he got... Andrew Jackson then had to be restrained from beating the man to death with his cane. That is awesome. That is awesome. Dude, 
Why is this not the history we talk about? This is incredible history that just never gets brought up. You know, it's well, also uh, my last uh, fun fact about Andrew Jackson is that he uh, had a parrot, which most people don't know. Parrots can actually live to be fifty or sixty years old, and so you have to put them in your will. And it had to be removed from his funeral because it was swearing too much. That's awesome. Birds are so stupid. I think birds are the dumbest animals on earth. Uh, I think they're the worst pets. Oh, that's actually a uh, that's a we'll save that discussion. That's a that's a question this week. Is it really? Yes, it is. Fun fact. Okay, we'll move on to the next yeah. next topic. Okay, though. we need to hurry because we're already like forty five minutes. Yeah. In. Um. All right. Well, moving on. Um. Do we want to talk about? Um. Okay. Just one. I guess we we missed our chance to in, insert the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. I guess. Um. We'll do, we'll start to our new segment. This week and nobody cares. And I'll start with the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Ian, uh, three people were shot and killed in the, or not, one person was shot and killed, two people were shot and injured and had to go to the hospital in the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, and they won't let cops in to investigate. Uh, this week and nobody cares. Uh, this week and nobody cares. The Dixie Chicks changed their name from Dixie Chicks to just the Chicks. Nobody cares. This week and nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> All right. Great segment. Um, moving on. <laughs> um, just really lining them up and knocking them down tonight uh, just because we love our listeners so much. Um, would we'd like to, I guess, sports are back. Fun fact. Sports are back. Baseball is back. Baseball is back. Um, um, we have one prop bet we are going to make a mayor's bet on. But, Ian, if you want to outline the details of the 60-game ba- baseball season. I don't know any of the details about it. Although I did see that apparently there was a chance that the Marlins, Rays, and... uh, Yeah, the Marlins and the Rays may actually have fans this season, which means that it would be a first time for everything. As my favorite joke running around baseball Twitter has been that the... uh... Major League Baseball owners have been consulting Derek Jeter on how to properly socially distance fan, uh, fans because the Marlins have been doing it for the last two years. <laughs> so, um, speaking of the Marlins, great segue. Uh, we have a mayor's bet, and uh, I need to. I'm not going to cue any music. Maybe we'll find some music to cue here at some point for future mayor's bets. Um, our local bookie. Um, and we will not name uh, name his name, but it rhymes with Smake Smeagol. Um, is it the guy from? Is it the guy from Lord of the Rings? Uh, uh, Isn't that Smeagol? I don't. I, dude, I haven't seen or read that book in a decade and a half. Fun fact: I've never seen any of the movies, yeah. and I haven't haven't read the uh, haven't finished any of the books. I you never read the full Hobbit. Oh, I read The Hobbit, but that's not Lord of the Rings. Was that was that to be? It's not. No, the Lord of the Rings is the trilogy, which is the Fellowship of the Ring, the Two Towers, and the Return of the King. The Hobbit is its own thing. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, we have a, a prop bet on the Marlins: sixty games over under ten and a half wins. I Which would, division? They're in the they're in the Mets division, right? With the Nationals. I th- I, I I don't know. I don't know. With the Nationals, the Braves. 
My initial guess is under. Okay, I'll take the over. That's for a case of beer. For the mayor's bet. <clears throat> That's great. That's a great mayor's bet. I would have taken the opposite. I'm a little concerned about that. Although I don't... I want to see they won, they, they won. They won like maybe 40 games last year. Not even that. Yeah, I want to see what their, their winning percentage was last year before I commit to this. Whatever their winning percentage is, let's, let's match it percentage-wise. And we'll do the over-under there. Okay, they had yeah they had a fifty seven one to one hundred five, which was a thirty five percent winning percentage. So what's thirty five percent times sixty? So fifty is thirty. So twenty five. So it's is that about twenty twenty one twenty two? Ooh, that's a really tough over under. Fuck. Let's move it down to like sixteen. 17. You pick a number. Mm, I'd say 17. Let's see what the, let's see what the Vegas... There's got to be a Vegas win, win total on that. Got to be, right? You'd think. Vegas Mets win total. Hold on. What? Holy shit. What is it? 32 and a half. I'm not touching any. I'm not, I don't want any part of that. So what are we doing with this mayor's bet? Then? Uh, this mayor's bet has been postponed. We will find another mayor's bet. We, well, it, it, I will be far more comfortable with making this mayor's bet once we actually figure out what the season, what, who they will be playing. Because if they're basically just playing their division then I am more than comfortable to say that they will win less than less than 20% of their games, or less than uh, 20 games this season. Okay, deal. Deal. Deal, deal. All right, <clears throat> um, moving on. Uh, where are my notes? Where are my notes? Pull these bad boys up so Do we... Do we want to go to tinfoil hat? Oh, yeah, okay, so since we're on the topic of sports, um, well, we'll do tinfoil hat after sports, so let's finish up sports. Um, So, uh, Ian Hockey, uh, Ian's Hockey Corner is back on the menu this week. What do you got cooking for us? Yes, so as some of you may be aware, the Seattle is going to have a team not starting uh, this coming year, but starting the following year. Uh, They have not announced the nickname, but they have just announced... The the name of the new stadium. Ryan, do you know what the, the name of the new stadium is? In Seattle? Yes. Uh, I'm going to guess, it, is it publicly funded? It is not. Uh, well, it's the naming rights were just sold to Amazon today. It is the... Black Lives Matter, Martin Luther King Jr., Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden Stadium at Nancy Pelosi Ice, sponsored by Amazon. That was one of the worst things I've ever heard. No, it is Climate Pledge Arena. That's the second worst. That's the second worst thing I've heard. Uh, and Climate it's very Pledge ironic Arena? considering, yeah, 
And it's very ironic considering the team based in Seattle, which will probably have one of the top five climate footprints of any of the teams based upon their travel schedule, <laughs> will be playing in the Climate Pledge Arena. Boy. Um, they came up with those naming rights today? Yes. Uh, that's great. It was, it was announced nine hours ago. That's great timing for the, uh, the Chicago-sized iceberg that is chipping off Antarctica today. Did you see that? Today and nobody cares. Today and nobody cares. This week and nobody cares. <laughs> All right. Write that down. Okay, and nobody, your golf nobody cares about the iceberg. Okay. Just circle that. Um, golf corner. Um, okay. Cue the music. Um, I want to just make a note here before I get started on Golf Corner that I found it absolutely hilarious listening back on the podcast to me describe how Payne Stewart died with the Masters music in the background. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, Really tone deaf by me there. But uh, um, um, so uh, Bryson DeChambeau, well, I guess two things. Um, So on the COVID topic, um, Golf Dumpster Fire of the Week this week is uh, the Kepka family. So Brooks is caddy, uh, tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, Brooks did not test positive, but he decided to sit out this tournament, uh, the Travelers Championship in Connecticut. The uh, bigger hit, I guess, was Chase Kepka, who qualified on Monday in a Monday qualifier. And to give you an idea of how hard it is to qualify for a PGA event on a Monday qualifier, there are 70 people that enter and you have to place in the top four just to make the tournament on Sunday or on Thursday. Doesn't guarantee you any money. Um, you pay 500 bucks to enter the qualifier. You could qualify and then miss the cut and just be out 500 bucks. Um, golf is hard. So Chase Kepka, Brooks Kepka's brother, who's a pretty good golfer himself, uh, ended up winning in a playoff at the Monday qualifier. Brooks was at the, Brooks was at the playoff. Um, on Monday and Chase because of the Brooks news and his caddy news Chase decided even though he did test negative for coronavirus decided to um, sit out the tournament uh, in the best interest of the rest of the field we had a couple more people test positive for coronavirus thought the tournament was going to get canceled um, but they're still playing so um, really feel for Chase that sucks to qualify for a tournament and then um, have to withdraw uh, there's some talk that'll probably get a sponsor's exemption in one of the future tournaments just for his actions. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Um, so that sucks for Chase Kepka. Um, on other news, Bryson DeChambeau is hitting the ball with 200 mile per hour ball speed. Um, that means nothing. That number needs, means nothing to you, Ian. Um, but I <clears throat> personally hit my driver. I carry the driver about 290, which is by all means tour length um uh with about you know i'll hit it about 300 i'm I'm about average a a little below average to average on tour on distance compared to tour players um bryson dechambeau is hitting the ball 265 yards carry um which is uh i don't know if you can do the math there ian but that is 65 yards further uh than i hit the ball in total and 65 yards further than the average PGA Tour player. Is that good? That is insanity. 
absolute insanity. He has taken the fundamentals of golf and thrown them completely out the window, and I honestly admire it. Um, <clears throat> so one correction, go fuck yourself, Jake. He did go to SMU and not Stanford. I messed that up last week, so uh, just a correction there. And that is Ryan's Golf Corner. Okay, that's fun. Uh, do we have any more news in sports? Um, golf, Ian's Hockey Corner, baseball. Nope, that's it for sports. Uh, oh, um, do we want to talk about the Kerry Martin situation? You are more than welcome to. I don't know very much about the situation. Um, so if you've been if you've been living under a rock, um, Kerry Martin, Kerry KJ Martin, uh, defensive back for West, or living in Iraq. Uh, either way, um, you probably haven't heard this news. Uh, <coughs> Kerry Martin, defensive back at West Virginia University. I I want to preface this by saying I've been very happy with the way West Virginia has handled the entire um, Black Lives Matter movement. The coaches have been very supportive of the players and have gone to protest with the players and are, I think, encouraging open dialogue with the team, which I think is awesome. And I think it's such a great step for not only the university and for the team, but for the entire state because so many people in the state look up to those guys and look up to Coach Brown. So I've been very happy with how that's gone until Tuesday when Kerry Martin, who I would just like to note is best friends with a couple of the guys that got kicked off the team last year for cheating um, and academic dishonesty, uh, one of those people being Derek Pitts. Um, Kerry Martin decided uh, to tweet out a four-paragraph essay about all the times that our defensive coordinator, Vic Koning, has said things he didn't like, um, including a rumor, he included in that in this statement, a rumor that his head coach said Vic Koning had a slave master attitude. He included arbitrary th- notes of, uh, and non-descriptive notes of where Vic had said Hispanics need to leave the country and Trump needs to build the wall. He said that he talked to Coach Brown multiple times about this. He said that Vic on Tuesday, on Monday, uh, during a team meeting, said protesters and rioters, um, they if they don't want to be tear gassed, they shouldn't be protesting and rioting. Um, Vic said that in the team meeting, and Kerry spoke up and said he didn't like that, and, Vic's, and Vic kind of backpedaled, and they changed the subject. Kerry took great offense to this, um, and I'm sorry, I missed the most important part of the note. Vic told the players to get in the house so we can go watch film. He had an issue with that phrase. Um, I'm going to pause there. That's a purposeful pause. I just want you to think about that uh, as I continue here. Um, Kerry decided to oust Vic Koning as a racist and a horrible person all over social media, which, as we've noted before, treats people with true nuance and, and uh, transparency and is a very fair platform to be uh, judged on. Um, and Vic, ha- Vic has cu- currently been suspended indefinitely from West Virginia University. Neil Brown issued a statement, um, and Vic issued a statement basically apologizing for how he didn't understand how his words met people 
Um, and then Shane Lyons issued a statement just basically saying he's been suspended and they're conducting an independent investigation. Here's my issue with it. And it's a big one because Neil Brown has done a awesome job as I preface this entire segment by saying he has done an awesome job of keeping this team together and being supportive of the movement that his players are all about because at the end of the day the coach has to support the players as much as the players support the coach Carrie never went and talked to Neil Brown about this which is my first big issue okay it would be one thing if Carrie had gone and talked to Neil and Neil told him to kick rocks he never talked to Carrie about it and that is the that is the widely reported situation going on number two Vic Koning never, or the high school coach never described the defensive coordinator as having a slave master attitude, um, or at least that's what the coach claims. And number three, and this is the big one that really irks me, the high school coach that also said he never, uh, never used the word slave master mentality, also told the reporter that Vic Koning called the high school coach seven or eight times during the lockdown and asked if Carrie had food to eat because the stores were locked down and I believe Carrie comes from a, a, a pretty rough home life. Or at least he, he was in a situation where the defensive coordinator would be concerned that he had enough food to eat. So what did Vic do, you ask? Vic drove from Morgantown at least three or four times to bring Carrie food during lockdown. Food to eat. That is, I think, out of all the things that pissed me off the most about this whole thing, that was the one that got me. You go on the internet and basically expose a man for things that other sources have refuted him even saying, try to get him fired or ask for change within the program before you ever go talk to him, before you ever go talk to a person that cared so much about you that he drove a grand total of 10 or 15 hours to bring you food so you had something to eat. That is, dude, that is the most slimy, scumbag, piece of shit move you could ever do. You don't have the fucking respect for someone that cared enough about you to bring you food and make sure you were fed that's not related to you and has no other interest in you other than being your coach except for the fact maybe that he actually cares about you to give him the, the respect and the time of day to ask him personally in a one-on-one -on -one conversation what he meant by his phrases and how maybe your viewpoint could be better than his. You never thought to even have that conversation. Dude, that was the most immature piece of bullshit I have seen through this entire lockdown and everyone's gone crazy on social media like ever. I'm not saying Carrie, if, if what Vic said was true, I'm not saying Carrie was wrong to be upset about it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in a situation like Carrie's it, with someone that genuinely cares about you, have some respect to ask the guy one-on-one -on -one, or at least ask Neil Brown one-on-one -on -one, before you just completely implode the program and recruiting and everything everybody's worked so hard to build because you're a selfish, immature brat. Dude, it, it, it makes me so mad. So mad. Uh, end rant. Um, do you have anything to chime in on that? Not especially, no. Okay. I think you pretty much covered everything. Yeah. Dude, I was, that's literally why we didn't record on Tuesday. 
straight up I, because I, I, I was more upset than I am now. Um, I, I, it's so frustrating and just such a classic thing to happen to West Virginia where we're building something awesome and some dipshit tries to completely scuttle it for no reason and with, with facts that are widely disputed. And it, it just, dude, it stinks. It stinks. It stinks all around. So I hope they can resolve it in-house. Um, I, I think Neil has handled it exceptionally well. I think Vic issued a statement that was very good, and I think they're going to get it resolved. Tinfoil hat theory, I think Kerry issued the statement because he wants to transfer to Marshall and maintain his senior year of eligibility. Um, Nick Davidson, uh, props to Nick Davidson for, for spurring that tinfoil hat theory. I think that's an excellent one. Oh, all right, I got to pour another whiskey. Um, did you need... Would you, would you like to uh, would you like to uh, transit? What do we have next? The tinfoil hats and the yes. Thing. I'll let you get into I your tinfoil hat theory as I uh, as I pour my next uh, my next whiskey because I that one that one kind of got me riled up. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the main tinfoil hat theory that you may have seen around the interweb uh, over the weekend is the idea is the conspiracy theory that. The, uh, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, uh, you can't really hear it through the podcast, but I know you can hear it through the, uh, through the headphones. I'm, uh, I was getting some ice. Okay. Um, so th- the main conspiracy theory is that there have been fireworks going off at all hours of the night in New York City. And so there's a range of how, like, in depth the theory is going uh, some of the more reasonable takes have been that the uh, these illegal fireworks that are being set off are not being responded to by the police as a way of showing how how much of a nuisance it can be to not have police available without actually like inter- without stopping their without actually preventing major like violent crimes uh, there have been other more intense conspiracy theories that are claiming that the police are actually setting them off themselves or providing them to uh, low-income communities as a way of instigating them with the hopes of starting fires that will then uh, result in either property damage or uh, potentially fatalities. And uh, this was propagated by our favorite Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. Ah! And I want to know what your thoughts on that uh, tinfoil hat theory is. Uh, my thoughts are that this is, a clear, um, this is a clear example of how excellent the Pulitzer Prize committee is in, f- in, in picking out the genuine geniuses of our literary world when they're selecting the winner of the most prestigious prize in journalism. Um, Clearly, we have this intellectual who is by no means spreading fake news and is by no means um, spreading any kind of uh, conspiracy that is not uh, founded in pure facts. Um, And I I would like to double down on, on my praise of of this woman and applaud Twitter for supporting her and her and giving her a platform to spread such conspiracy theories 
and not flag any of her comments as being propaganda or um, fake news or conspiracy laden as they have done with um, – let me check my notes um, – the president of the United States. Um, so um, great job. Great job. All, yeah. all the way around. And uh, I, would, I would say that this is obviously true and this is why we need to defund the police. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Um, great tinfoil hat theory, Ian. I, I have one I'd like to share with you myself. Yes. So um, we're not really going to touch on the Bubba Wallace thing because it's incredibly divisive, and I think we're both kind of on the same – we're both, after some discussion before the podcast, we're both in the same boat that it's pretty shitty. But um, what was your point on the, on the knot tying? So uh, it was something where based upon the picture they distributed today, it could easily – I could actually easily see that – someone would interpret it as being a noose, but it also very easily could have just been a rope pull for the garage. Yes, okay. Um, so I saw this on uh, an internet website that I will leave unnamed for the sake of anonymity. Um, the thread title is, Did NASCAR engineer the hoax in a 3D chess move to discredit Black Lives Matter and Bubba? What we know. The NASCAR president personally called Bubba and notified him about the noose. Bubba was never shown the noose. There was no way the NASCAR insiders that discovered the noose didn't know about garage door poles. Theory. NASCAR had to know the hoax would be disproven quickly and that the public would blame Bubba. NASCAR intended to use fan backlash as a reason to curb progressivism and uh, curb progressivism sleep, seeping into the sport. Concerts, sponsors can be convinced they'll lose money by pointing to angry social media posts. All the drivers and teams must now hate Bubba. He must eventually be forced out of the sport. NASCAR rids themselves of the headache while pretending to be supportive. Bubba realizes he's been played, and so he doubles down on Don Lemon. Now that is a take quake. I think it's bullshit. I, I don't think there's no there's no there's no way it was staged per se. Um, I wouldn't say there's no way it was staged. I mean, I, w- I don't think it was staged for this. I don't think it was staged for this reason. I will say oh, no, I was no. really. I, I think if there's any way it would be staged, and this is this is I think that the actual this is my personal tinfoil hat theory on it is that it was staged as a way for NASCAR to basically come to rise above the, you know, this is conveniently a week after they banned Confederate flags at races, right? Yes. So they, they ban the Confederate flags, they, they find this noose, or they find this piece of rope, and they say, oh man, this is a great example where we can, if we call this out, that we'll, we'll make a big example of how well we'll handle it, and then the NASCAR, the drivers will come together with this, with this one driver and will make them feel welcomed. And this will be just the most perfect way to kind of rid ourselves of that Confederate image and move forward as a progressive sport. And I think that is the tinfoil hat theory you need to believe. Yep. And uh, I would like to point out that I am actually surprised that the hangman stunt is not used more widely for uh, for garage rope pulls because if they if it can support 
a human body, I don't see why you wouldn't use it as something that can support the force of pulling down a garage door. Uh, because the knot uh, constricts on whatever's inside of it, and I don't think you want your hand crushed as you pull down the garage door. Um, ah, I see. Yeah. Um, that constriction is part of the part of the whole process. First time. <laughs> well, I guess those, I need to get back those, to my not tired those, lessons. Those of you, those of you that, uh, those of you that get the first time joke, congrats! That's an excellent film. Um. All right. Um. Do we want to do questions? Yes. Man, this might not be a two-hour podcast. I'm proud of us. We only have two questions this week. Um, and the first one is from Liz Barnhart. She asks, Frosty or Blizzard? Ooh, that's a great question. I think I'm going to go with the Blizzard just because of the variety. Of yeah, the I think it's it's 100% a Blizzard. I think you can't go wrong. Like a, a cookies and cream Oreo Blizzard. <laughs> variety is the spice of life after all. Fuck, you ever had a Nerds Blizzard? I have not, and I have no desire. Yeah, to. when I was a kid, I thought it was sick, and now just thinking about it, I want to puke. Um, yeah. Although I will say that just if you if you give me the option between uh, DQ soft serve or a frosting, I'm definitely going a frosting. Hundred percent. If it's just if we're looking at it on an apples to apples basis, like a vanilla a vanilla Blizzard, who gets a vanilla Blizzard? What kind of psychopath gets a vanilla Blizzard? Can you? Is that a thing? I bet you can. I might have to try that. I'll have a vanilla blizzard, please. They'll say you mean soft serve? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely the, uh, on, on, an evil pl- on, a, on an even playing field, I think you have to go frosty. Vanilla frosty or chocolate frosty, though? Chocolate frosty. No, vanilla frosty all day. Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, I have to go with the classic. So uh, Jake asks, um, moving on to our next question, Jake Ingle asked, um, by no no relation to Smakes Meagle, by the way, um, he, he asks us, what is the worst animal you could get as a pet? Ooh, that's a, is this like an actual pet or is this just like any kind Okay, of so I think there are two ways to, I think there are two, we have to answer this question twice. I think there's one where you have to say, what is the worst common pet you can get as a pet? And then number two, what is the worst pet you can get as a pet? To limit yourself, it has to be able to be inside. So you can't get like, you can't say like, you know, uh, an elephant would be a horrible pet. Like, no shit, man. <laughs> like, mm, This is a tough question. Birds suck. And are, let me make it very clear that if you get anything for a pet that is not a cat or a dog, then you suck. Agreed. I think fish, fish are one of the worst pets you can buy, honestly. It's more of just a waste that I don't really see the point of. It's just kind of a hassle. The idea of having to take hours at a time to clean a fish tank would just pisses me off to think about. Um, and if, if you're one of those people that gets a fucking lizard or a snake, you're just a weirdo, and I'm, I associate with you with the Columbine kids. Yep. Agreed. How do you feel about uh, ferrets? Ferrets are disgusting creatures. Rodents are terrible, and I hate them. 
And granted, that might be because my parents had got them for us. Uh, a couple of hamsters and a couple of rabbits because they really didn't want to have to deal with a dog or a cat because they're much easier to take care of, but they're just monstrous little creatures. Agreed. Yep. Wild animals. Um, I would have to say the worst common pet to get has to be a snake. Ah, see, yeah. Snakes are kind of cool, though, in a way. Like, if, if, like, if you're hanging out with a guy that just, like, you know, you just kind of know him and, he, you know, you, you're just, like, at his house, like, buying weed or something. And he's like, hey, you want to you wanna see my snake? And, and not the euphemism. Like, it is actual snake. I feel like it'd be... Oh, this trouser snake? <laughs> I feel like it'd be kind of cool, you know? But I would... Uh, no, that would tell me I need to get a new dealer. Um, the... Ah, this is tough. Okay, so common... I do not want any animal that can literally kill me. I mean, snakes... Like, the average snake can't kill you. Now, like, an 18-foot... I'm talking like a a Burmese python. The kind that idiots in Florida have gotten, and they got too big, and so they had to put them in the Everglades, and now they're destroying the Everglades. They grow them to, like, 18 feet, and then release them into the wild. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um... Snake's not a bad choice. I'm going to go... I got to go with a bird. Man, I got this friend. He might listen to this podcast. I'll, I'll, refer, I'll refer him to this, to this segment. His, his mom has all kinds of interesting pets, and one of them is a, some kind of bird. And it's, you know, number one, the problem with birds, like you mentioned, they live for like 50 fucking years. So... Like, you're buying this thing, man, you're in it for the long haul. This bird might outlast, like, four marriages, okay? And um, the bird they have... But with any luck, it'll, outlo- it'll outlast two of me. Exactly. Um, the, the, the bird they have, the, oh, the previous owner, I guess, had a fire alarm that continued to go off. That, you know, it would beep every so often. Uh-huh. And the bird learned to mock the fire alarm. What? So so every so often you'll hear the bird just make the loudest like beep like a fire alarm. Just out of nowhere. And uh We'd be having some fucking fricassee real quick. Yeah. Um so that is why that's my example. That that is why I think birds are the worst pets. Like just this annoying thing that sits in the cage that makes this awful sound that you can't do anything about. Now I think having a parrot that could curse like a sailor would be hilarious for a little while. Um, it would really lose its luster very quickly. Yeah, like give me like, like within a couple months. Give me, I'm saying like, give especially me, considering it lasts fifty years. That's the best part about getting a rodent as a pet is that it dies within like five years. Um, yeah, give me, give me like three days with the thing, and then you can have it back. Um, okay, so second part of the question: what's the, what's genuinely the worst pet you can have though? Um, what would I? Easy one is a skunk. Eh. Okay, like reasonable. Like something you could see someone having as a pet. No, there are people that have skunks as pets, but they take out the stink gland. That's disgusting. Um, that you could have as a pet? Uh, I heard a friend of mine, uh, her family lives on a farm, and they have like a potbelly pig that's a pet. I think potbelly uh, pigs would be kind of cute, though. 
They yeah, that's that that's, wasn't my answer. I was just coming up with a weird oh. weird pet. Uh, uh, one of my friends that was a Saudi that uh was in the petroleum uh, engineering uh, department, uh, two years older than us. He his uncle owns a cheetah. Which so which test which which test? I'm, I'm not gonna. Say. I was going to ask you which test you copied from this person, but we both of us didn't cheat, so. That's a dumb question. Um, um, what, what are some other animals that someone could realistically have as a pet? I would go with a moose. Or no, I'm sorry, not a moose, a bison. I've, I've yeah, seen that's what I was yeah, a bison. A bison would be a horrible pet. Um, a hippo. A hippo would be an awful pet. I, I don't think you could domesticate a hippo. There's just no way. There's that's the answer right there. It, it would have to be at least somewhat domesticated, right? So hippos out. That's way too wild. May, like chimpanzees, no. Like they can rip your face no, off. No chimpanzees. Yeah, chimpanzees. People have them as pets, and that's easily the worst one. Yeah. And it like I it always goes back to whatever is going to murder me violently is not something. It's not something I want in my house. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I realize That's you it. disagree with that based upon your dating history, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I know, That's a firm policy I, that I have. I know how to pick a man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you and, you and her have, the set, have, oh, have goals that have aligned, so I understand. That's it. We both want to kill me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a race to the bottom. <clears throat> um... If coronavirus doesn't get there first, uh, all right. So I think we—that's that's our that's the consensus answer is chimpanzee. I think so. Okay. All right. Let's move on to our final two segments. Ian, uh, dumpster fire and boomer of the week. Would you like to name your dumpster fire of the week? Sure. So my dumpster fire of the week is a is a county in Oregon which announced that it will be requiring everyone to wear a mask in public or a face covering in public. With a few exceptions, this includes anyone that has a, a health condition that will not permit them to wear it, uh, small children, and people of color who feel uncomfortable with it. Now, mm. you may be wondering, why is this your dumpster fire of the week, Ian? Uh, well, the very simple reason is the entire purpose behind having face coverings is that it will protect people from obtaining and spreading the virus. So the question that that then raises, if you're allowing people of color to not wear a mask, are you then inherently saying that you don't care if they catch the virus, which it has been shown they are more susceptible to? In a roundabout way, you are. Yeah, exactly. So it, it raises the question, do you believe that Black Lives Matter if you are not requiring people of color to wear a face covering? No, but at the same time, if you're telling Black Lives Matter to wear a mask, are you exercising your white privilege on them? That's not how I'm exercising my white privilege. That's because you don't exercise. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Ryan gets a score on me. I'm proud of you, Ryan. 
Uh, that calls for another whiskey. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, that's a that's a bold move. Um, I genuinely appreciate any uh, law that discriminates strictly by color. Um, so I'm glad we're being. As we progress into the future, I think that's really the only way to do. It. That's that's you know it's we've we've gone full circle. We didn't even get it to get into McCarthyism, and I'm pissed about it. We won't do it this week. We'll do it next week because it'll still be relevant next week. Um, uh, my dump, so I had a few dumpster. I'm going to name off my nominations and I'll just have a, lo- a winner because I've got three really good ones. Before you go, I did want to comment on McCarthyism that it's uh, is it really? It goes back to the old joke: is it really a witch hunt if you keep finding witches? <laughs> Not much of a hunt. You call it uh, shooting fish in a barrel per se. <laughs> um. So I've got three Dumpster Fires of the Week nominations, uh, and I'm going to pick a winner um, because all three of these were... Actually, honestly, I could do four, but I'm going to save one as my Boomer of the Week. Um, So uh, my first Dumpster Fire of the Week nomination is Philadelphia. Um, So the city of Philadelphia had to put out an official statement to its citizens uh, to not turn dumpsters into swimming pools. Now, you see, the strange part about this is this story is actually three years old. Is it really? No. Oh. But you totally would have believed it. Yeah, I you? would have. That's how much of a trash old city Philadelphia If you had a follow-up to is it really, and you were like, yeah, that was published in the New York Times in, 20, in 2016, I'd have been like, yeah, okay. And <laughs> just, <laughs> just kept on. Um, so the, the mayor of Philadelphia has come out and, and asked its citizens not to use the dumpsters in the city as swimming pools. As I presume, the swimming pools in Philadelphia are still closed and citizens are going on their own and filling dumpsters, which presumably hold, Ian, you guessed it, trash. Uh, oh, I was going to say something cleaner than the usual residents of Philadelphia. <laughs> and um, and uh, they're filling it with water and going for swims in them. So... Um, just, uh, so, so that's the first one. Uh, my second dumpster fire of the week is, uh, Pakistan, um, where, <laughs> where Pakistan came out today, uh, after a report, after an investigation, and, uh, of the, there was a plane crash in Pakistan a, a few months ago. Nobody cares cause it's Pakistan. Um, <laughs> so it's this year and nobody cares. Yeah. It's, it's this year and nobody cares. Um, but apparently the Pakistani government reviewed pilot credentials and found one-third of them to be fraudulent. So, that seems high. So, so my question to you, Ian, was 9-11 a purposeful event? Or were they just trying to land? They were just trying to get, as I, as I suggested in our text messages earlier, they were just trying to get some stick time, man. You know? just wanted- No, no, no. Very clearly... Very clearly, they were trying to do an impromptu t- tourist uh, tour, flight tour of New York City, and they just sort of uh, wanted to get too close of a look at the World Trade Center. That's it, you know? And, and you know, if they had the proper credentials, maybe it would have been okay. So, you know. Uh, follow-up question, Ryan. Uh, which circle of hell do you think we'll be burning in? Uh, uh, there's seven, right? There's nine. Oof. Which layer are we in now? After that, say, after that no, 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 no. I'm not saying like 
in the future. I'm saying right now. Ooh, I, I'm guessing it's the second. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> that was a genuine honest, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think we've gotten nine yet. We haven't murdered anybody. Actually, I believe betrayal is at the lowest level. Oh fuck! I'm at I'm at nine. <laughs> I'm all the way down there, buddy. I hope you join me. I need to uh, I need to brush up on my Dante's Inferno. Um, that's I think that's an excellent. Uh, I think that's a hot sauce. It's pretty good too. Um, but okay, so my as my third and my winner of dumpster fire of the week is Jake Engel. So, so. Jake, um, the listener of this podcast, uh, is in a tennis league on Tuesday, and he gave me a ring on Tuesday night and said, yep, I had some tennis tonight, and I was like, how how was it? And he was like, it sucked. And I was like, what do you mean it sucked? He's like, I got paired with this old guy that just was horrible, and I beat his ass 6-0 and 7-1. And I said, how old was he, Jake? And he was like, he was like 55 or 60, like clearly shouldn't have been playing against me. And I tried to let him win a couple of sets, but he was just so bad. I just continued to beat his ass. And that, my friends, is my dumpster fire of the week. The man who is supposed to be helping the elderly get better at athletic activities and be more mobile, beating the shit out of somebody at tennis because he was older than him. So... Uh, well, fun fact, uh, tennis is one of those sports where facing someone who is clearly better than you will not help you improve at all, because if someone is that much better than you, then you have no ability to react because you don't have the basics formed. Like, you don't have the like the base skill set in order to even know how to react to what they're doing. And that was talking tennis. Now your boomer of the week. Uh, is do you want to go first? Sure, Ronnie's back. Ronnie's uh, back. So, yeah, amazingly enough, I'll try and rush through this. Try and have a, a shorter episode than what it's turned into. Um, and so Ronnie has been accused of basically being mentally, uh, mentally failing uh, as of late. As he's in his old age, it's his mind starting to go. And so, at a local speech to his, to his, I'll say constituents. I'm not sure what the what the employees maybe. Uh, he's a, as we all know, he's a local construction worker. Yep. That uh, is is a big community leader, and so his his critics have pointed out that he's he's kind of on the older side, and so it's his mind is starting to go. And he, they pointed to a fact that he can't even properly drink a, drink a glass of water. And so he, uh, in a mocking way, decided to grab a glass of water and just down it in one gulp. And uh, basically said, see that, jerkwads? Uh, and he posted a live video of it on Facebook. This is not, and, this uh, is not, a, this is not a, an episode of The Office? Uh, no. Boy. No. Although people were cheering. So, that I'm not sure if that's usually how people react to watching The Office. Um, um yeah. No, usually they just post it on their, uh, on their hinge and tell you that liking The Office is a personality. But that's their personality? Yes. Correct. What, uh, fun impromptu question. Uh, what is your favorite, uh, personality trait that isn't a personality trait that you see on... 
uh, dating sites? Oh, it's definitely, um, it's, it's definitely, uh, if liking this is wrong, I don't want to be right. And the answer to the question slash personality trait is, uh, queso and marks. Because I have met so many people that don't like queso and marks. Have you met anyone that doesn't like queso and margaritas, Ian? I've met someone who doesn't like queso. That's okay. Again, I ask, have you, of all the people you know, you've met one person who doesn't like melted cheese and chips? Yes. He's, I, I chastise him endlessly. So that's my, my point being like, it's like, it's like in the other answer, the other one is Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A just irks me. Like I like a fast food restaurant. That's a personality as long as it's Chick-fil-A. But if you put down, I like long John Silver's people think you're a psychopath. So, so is, did you put down long John Silver's? No. There's other reasons why I'm not getting matches on my hinge profile and long John Silver's is not one of them. Yeah. It's probably the fact that you included pictures. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, um, anyway, but, uh, personally, I would say it's definitely the, the idea that liking a particular TV show is a replacement for a personality. Yes. Uh, I could go on a whole rant about that, but I won't do it because we'll be here for another two hours. Um, okay. all right. Uh, anything else to add with Ronnie? Nope. That's, uh, that's about it. Oh. Ronnie just back to being his, his usual, Chipper self. Uh, so my boomer of the week is the president of Kosovo. Um, I see. So the president of Kosovo, um, and I don't know his name. Um, this is just a headline I saw from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, he looks very Kosovoan, if you've seen his picture. Um, just incredibly Eastern European. It's excellent. Um, but the headline read that the president of Kosovo canceled a trip to the White House after an international tribunal charged him in a formal speaker of par- parliament with a range of crimes against humanity and war crimes, including murder, persecution, and torture. And I, I absolutely love, and the reason he's my boomer of the week, is that this guy just, it's, it's just I, I cannot imagine the phone call to President Trump um, who's, you know, expecting to meet with, you know, nobody even knows where, if nine out of 10 listeners, and we don't even have 10 listeners, one out of two listeners of this podcast cannot point at a map, a blank map, and tell me where Kosovo is. Okay. So, so the fact that this guy from Kosovo, and I can imagine Trump picking up the phone and saying, hello, and, and the, the other person says, hi, uh, this is, uh, president of Kosovo's, uh, assistant, uh, Mikhail, uh, the president will not be able to meet it today. And Trump's like, uh, wh- what do you mean? Wh- where is Kosovo? Why is he meeting with me? And he, he, the, the guy says, uh, the, the president was indicted on war crimes, including murder and persecution. And Trump's like, oh, okay, have a good day, man. Hangs, hangs up the phone. Yeah, I, for um, one, am disappointed that we couldn't have a war criminal visiting the White House uh, I, for one, really long for the days of 2001 to 2009. Uh, <laughs> you know, you had a really good chance to rip on John Bolton there, and you just mailed it in. Um, well, I wanted to go with the more hidden joke about George W. Bush being a war criminal. Mission accomplished. <laughs> 
but, uh, John Bolton is uh, another edition of This Week and Nobody Cares. This Week and Nobody Cares. The, Donald Trump did some bad things. This Week and Nobody Cares. <laughs> Donald Trump did some really bad things, but I didn't have the balls to actually go on record saying it, so I'll just try and make money off it in this book. This Week and Nobody, nobody Cares. cares. Uh, might be the best new segment we put in this podcast. Um, all but right, you know it's you know it's bad when even like the MSNBC hosts are, aren't willing to give you the st- quote unquote strange new respect trademark for a Republican that's shitting on Donald Trump because he's that much of a piece of shit. Right, right. When even Rachel Maddow won't even bow down to uh, to uh, the to what you're ripping on Donald Trump about, you know you've you're just a just a piece of shit all around. Really interesting gamble there by John Bolton, but uh, all right, Ian. Um, we have kept it uh, under to an hour and forty-seven minutes as from last week. We're down to an hour and forty. So, uh, do you have anything else to add this week? Uh, no, I think that's it. Uh, listen to my other two podcasts: Stereotopical and Red Carpet Trailer Trash. No free ads. No free fucking. I'm going to start charging you a dollar to advertise on this podcast. And I'll repeatedly tell you to go fuck yourself. And on that note, uh, we will see you next week. Don't forget to fade the public. Fade the public.